So the government tried to resurrect their start to the year yesterday with a border announcement. We're still in the red light, of course, still seeing any number of major cancellation of events. We're seeing um, fear and hospitality as people don't want to go out. We don't seem to have a lot of Omicron. Uh, COVID-19 Minister Chris Hipkins back with us. Morning. Good morning. And a happy new year. And a happy new year to you too. Why can't I buy a rat test? Uh, Ultimately, there's a global supply issue with uh, rat tests at the moment. Even countries that have been making them more freely available are being a bit more restrictive in in many cases about uh, who can access them at the moment. I think the global supply chain will resolve itself uh, and we will see a much greater number of them. But at the moment, uh, they're in short supply. Would it be also true to say that you're not allowing me to do it because you've decided I'm not allowed to? Um, at the moment, we've got to make sure that we're using our rat tests for those who need them the most. Uh, and the priority for us is going to be uh, making sure we've got tests available to those who need to test in order to return to work. Um, so essential workers uh, who need who are close contacts, for example, but we need them to go to work, we want to make sure tests are available to them. Have you read Ian Taylor's piece in The Herald this morning? Uh, no, sorry, I haven't seen that yet. Have you? Do you owe him a debt of gratitude on the Kudu Spectrum deal? Uh, look, I think Ian Taylor's been, um, a, you know, a, a good critical friend to the government. Uh, I haven't read the particular column uh, that you're referring to. Well, he got you uh, the Kudu Spectrum rats, didn't he? Uh, I wouldn't perhaps uh, go that far, uh, but certainly he's been uh, someone who's been working closely with the government, and we've uh, very much appreciated that. How many rats have you got through Ian Taylor and the Kudu Spectrum deal? Is it 27 million or 65 million? Uh, we've sourced a number of different rat tests from a number of different suppliers. No, but from Kudu, how many have you got? 27 or 65 uh, million? I don't, I don't have the breakdown by supplier. Could, could uh, it be 65 right million? Moment. Uh, I don't have that breakdown. What I would say is that there's a difference between orders and confirmed deliveries. So we have uh, you know, over 100 million, well into nearly 200 million on order. Um, the company saying, yeah, sure, we can give you that many. But they're not necessarily telling us when they can give us that many. So some of them, some of those, you know, several hundred million, we won't be expecting until later on in the year. One of the things he makes a point, and you must read the article because it's very illuminating, is that you keep changing your mind on what businesses are critical. Why do you do that? Uh, we ultimately won't be making those decisions. Um, there'll be a set of criteria as to you know which which workers need to go to work, which workers are critical. And you still haven't uh, made that decision. And business, well, businesses will assess themselves against that criteria and determine whether they are whether they. So they'll criteria. make their own decision. That is correct. So yes. what if they make the decision that they are and they can't get a rat test? Well, they will be able to if they meet the criteria. Um, well, what if they decide they are and you say no, you're not? Well, like I said, there will be a criteria there. But, yeah, not but the criteria be will be muddied do. like everything else you do. And they'll say, well, we've looked at the criteria and we're essential. And you'll go, hmm, we've looked at the criteria and no, you're not. Then there'll be a big scrap ensuing and there'll be headlines all week and then you'll have to back down. Can't you see that unfolding? I'm just, I'm just forecasting the problem you're going to have. Well, I don't think we necessarily had. Uh, we've we've had, you know been through this experience before. Just remember that what we're talking about here isn't. It's not like a level four or a level three. We have to be an essential business to operate. We're talking about whether they can have potentially infectious people in their workplace. Mm. That's what being an essential business is about. Well, is about it, saying, isn't every isn't every business essential? Well, yes. And, but some are more essential than others in an environment where you've got a big surge of COVID-19 cases in the community. When's the so surge those, coming, by the way, given we're expecting 80,000 a day by Waitangi Day, which is Monday? Look, I, I've always been pretty sceptical about the models. Uh, models Why have you given them $6 million dollars then to model? Well, because they're, I mean, they're useful. They're, they're, are they? They're, are they, are they're, you sceptical or are they useful? 
Well, better to have some modelling than no modelling. Even if it's, it's bad modelling? But it's a little bit like the weather forecast. Some nights. Well, why don't you just guess? Why don't you hope? I tell you what. Nice instead of six day. million, instead of six million, how about you give me one million? I'll model for you. I'll make up some numbers, and I'll probably be more be more accurate. Look, I think people do want to uh, see that the government is at least uh, general. You know, finding what evidence we can for what the potential scenarios might be, so that we can be prepared for those. The did you see TV Three News last night? Uh, no, sorry, I didn't. Okay, so you haven't read Ian Taylor, you haven't seen the news. Let me update you on the survey they found. 90% of businesses in Christchurch has had a slump in business, as much as 40%, as a result of the red light. And the Prime Minister yesterday was telling us life is fine under the red light, which is right. Well, ultimately, um, the, the red light settings are... You know, it's, it's probably not just the red light settings. People are being a bit more cautious at the moment. They know that COVID-19 is in the community. And so their spending patterns may well be changing. Exactly. Why are they cautious at 120 well, cases? Well, they don't want to get COVID. Uh, there isn't any COVID. There's 120 cases. You've scared them. Uh, no, I don't think so. There's, well, your modelling uh, you says know. there should be 80,000 by Monday and people freak out about that and they don't go to the cafe, do they? Well, a model is just that. It's a model. Exactly. But you're paying millions for it and you're putting it out there and you're scaring people well, and you're hurting business. 89% the, said it had a negative impact on their business and trade. 92% said it had a negative impact on visitors to the shop. 79% are worried about either their own mental health. There's no question that COVID-19 had a significant impact on the economy, on businesses around the world. And those countries that have, had, that have seen surges in cases, including our friends across the Tasman, have found that businesses have really felt the effects of that because our consumer spending patterns when there are cases in the community do change. Have you read the Johns Hopkins report into heavy lockdowns globally? I've heard about it. I right. haven't seen it. They, do, they don't work. They don't work. Uh, it affected the mortality by 0.1%. We did exactly the wrong thing, and this is what's happened. You get the outworking is damaged economies, damaged mental health, and all of the outworkings that you were so obsessed about when you focused on nothing more than deaths. We've got the lowest mortality rate in Correct. the OECD. Correct. I think that's a... At what price? Well, to some extent, Mike, we, we actually proved potentially prove some of what they're doing, but in a very misleading way, because we've had some of the fewest restrictions at the OECD because we've kept COVID-19 out for much of the time. Countries that have let COVID-19 in and have let it spread have actually had more domestic restrictions than New Zealand's had. Do you have a calculation on self-isolation? What needs to be happening specifically in this country for us to drop self-isolation, therefore allow the tourism industry to start presumably in October? That's, there's still a lot of water to flow under the bridge. Over so the is the answer no? Uh, there's still a lot of water to flow under the bridge over the next few months. And, you know, we, we will at one at some stage uh, almost certainly reach the point where self-isolation won't be required. Yeah, but that's what I'm asking. What is that stage? You don't know, well, do you? We don't, we don't know at this point. No, we don't know at this Have point. Have you given it any thought? Of course we've given it a lot of thought. Well, what's it, well, you've, annou point. you've announced that the tourism industry allegedly can start in October, but no one's coming on holiday in this country when they're self-isolating, so we need to end self-isolation. You don't have a calculation as to how that works. Well, at the moment, you know, it would be crystal ball gazing. As you've pointed out, you can have models, but, the, but until you actually see the reality um, of what we're going to face over the next few months, it's very difficult to make those kind of decisions. Appreciate your time as always. Chris Hipkins, the COVID minister. Reassured?